Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to the Parenting Aces radio show presented by TennisBalls.com on Blog Talk Radio's UR Tennis Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and I'm not going to waste time with uh, chit-chat today because we have not only our pal Todd Whittem on the air with us for part four of our conversations, and I love having Todd on the show each month, but today we are also joined by a very special guest, and that is Eloise, Todd's mom, and I'm so excited to have a tennis parent on the air alongside her son, who just so happens to be a coach and a former professional player. Um a former top junior, and I mean, what a cool opportunity to get to talk with the both of them for the next hour. So I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to just go ahead and bring Todd and Eloise on the air, and we're going to jump right into things today. You guys, thanks so much for joining us. Eloise, what a treat to have you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Lisa. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Well, I know my audience is going to be really interested in hearing a parent's perspective on what life was like watching your son, Todd, come up through the tennis ranks. And even now, as he's, you know, established this amazing coaching facility and and this group of, of high-performance kids, what it means to you to see him taking his tennis into a different phase, but also, um, you know, just a kind of the logical next step in his career. So thank you so much for being here. And Todd, man, you're brave having mom on the air with you. <laughs> well, as, as the people that know me, they know that I like to do things a little out of the box, just like the tennis system I run here in South Florida. So I figured why not bring my mother on the air so people can really – you know, really hear about what was going maybe through her brain as she saw me training and, and developing as a junior here in uh, in South Florida. Great. So, Eloise, are you a tennis player as well? Well, let's put it this way. I used to play tennis, at least I thought I did, until I saw Todd play tennis, and then I realized <laughs> what I did was a totally different game. <laughs> gotcha. But, um, gotcha. But you didn't yeah. come up through kind of the junior ranks. Absolutely not. I never had a tennis lesson in my life. No. Gotcha. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, think I think it's important for I think it's important for my listeners to understand that because there we've had guests on the show in the past um, where the parent you know came up through the tennis system themselves. They had a you know a, an in depth understanding of the game of how the sport worked, um, how USTA operated, et cetera, et cetera. But for the vast majority of tennis parents out there, they're like you, Eloise. They, you know, their kid expresses an interest in doing this this sport of ours, and they're like, oh, my God, where do I start? I don't know anything about this. So maybe let's start our conversation today with that and, you know, let you reflect on what you – had to go through when you realized that Todd was attracted to the game, showed some talent for the game, and, you know, what that meant to you as his parent, trying to make sure that he got the proper training. Okay, Lisa. Well, I'll tell you how it started, actually. Um, We belong to a club here where we live, and Todd would take um, like tennis lessons will really be in like a little academy with the club pro. And um, we saw pretty early on that basically his eye-hand coordination was really good. And he was better than than a lot of the older kids that were also in, in this academy. And um, a friend of ours that also belonged to this club um, had a friend who was a junior tennis player and he was a junior tennis player in New Jersey. We're in Florida. And, um, 
so it, this this uh, junior play this man who was a junior player in New Jersey um, had recommended Todd's coach, his coach Pierre Arnold, who has been in South Florida. He's like a staple in the floor in the tennis world in Florida, and um, uh, this friend suggested that we bring Todd to him. And that's what we did. And, and Pierre had an academy and as well as, you know, doing privates. And, um, and Pierre said, uh, yeah, we would be happy to train Todd. And, and uh, you know, we would see where it goes. So that, that's how that happened. We were very fortunate in that way that we knew somebody who had experienced junior tennis um, you know, and, and we had no experience whatsoever with it. So that was a, a good starting off point. Um, and then... So, can, let me when, interrupt you one second. Let me interrupt you one second. When you said that you noticed early on that Todd's uh, hand-eye coordination was advanced, you picked up on that or the country club coach picked up on that or was it a combination of the two? I'm just curious. Well, I would say it was... It was actually um, the friend of the friend who who knew the the friend who was a junior player. He had seen Todd hitting, uh, you know, on the courts, and he had um, a couple of kids that were also on the courts, and he saw the difference. And he said to us, "You know, you might want to consider uh, taking this somewhere, especially since Todd, you could see at an early age." He really, really loved the sport, and that's that's kind of how it. And the club pro had said, "Listen, I'm not really uh, equipped, or I'm not even, you know, doing that kind of tennis where I, I, you know, focus on juniors that are developing into serious players. You know, he just did club tennis, and and that was fine at the beginning. Uh, then right. when he decided to take it further." You're very lucky that the country club pro was so honest with you because that doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes That's they true. try to bite off more than they're prepared to chew. Yes, I, I agree with you. Yeah, this was, everything sort of fell into place by luck. I mean, <laughs> that that's the only way I could, you know, describe it because we could have gotten suckered into all of these you know, academies where you're just one more number and one more paycheck to the to the tennis coach or tennis pro that's on the court. Um, so we we were very very fortunate. And then when Todd had you know been training for a while with uh, Pierre, uh, we would see tennis pros coming and going in the court. You know, in the facility that they were training, and they. Um, they knew, you know, Pierre quite well. They had either trained with him or they knew him from being on tour. Um, and and uh, they, they, were, they were probably also um, pros that...
also the tennis tournaments. So he decided he wanted to play um, tennis. And the reason he wanted to play tennis was that he could play up, meaning he could play kids that were older than him. When you play soccer, you're in a, a certain age group. You can't play up. The same thing with T-ball. Um, so he he decided he wanted the competition, and he um, he kind of thrived on the competition. Uh, so tennis became the the sport. And when I first brought him to Pierre, I was totally ignorant and like just just not knowing what to expect and where is this going to take us. So. The one of the first few times I had him at Pierre's, I said to him, do you think he has the possibility of being a pro? And Pierre said, why don't we just kind of like take it one step at a time and let's see where this goes. You know, I didn't know what, what to expect. And, um, and I just kept watching, uh, what was going on on the courts. I was always there. Um, I managed to keep my mouth shut and just watch. And from there, you kind of get an education. You hear what the pros are telling your, your child. You're hearing what they're saying to other kids. Um, you're, you're, learning, you're learning the game from a whole different perspective than if you were the one on the court. And it's, it's very eye-opening, especially if you're um, observing a lesson that's given by a pro that knows what they're talking about. And we were very lucky. Yeah, you definitely were. At that stage of the game, you you said you asked Pierre if he thought that Todd had professional, you know, uh, abilities. Was college tennis part of the conversation or part of your awareness even at that stage? Actually, that's what Pierre said. I wasn't even thinking of college. I figured his college was already paid for anyway, so college was not, you know, it wasn't even a thought in my mind. Um, that was not that was not the reason he played tennis. It wasn't to get a college scholarship. However, when he was about seven years old or eight, maybe, um, he said to me, "Mom, I'm going to go to the University of Miami," and I said to him, "Todd." I, 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 I hope you will. The only thing is for you to go there. You're going to need a full scholarship. And he got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and for my listeners that don't know, University of Miami, even though it sounds like it's a public state university, it is not. It is very private. <laughs> it is very pricey. <laughs> right. And his college fund was based on the state universities in Florida, not on a private sure. school. Sure, sure. So, okay, so, I mean, looking back at and and just hearing this this little bit of Yol's story, um, I do feel like there was so much luck involved, as you said, you know, to have a friend that, uh, you know, whose kids were on the court with him at the country club who noticed that Todd had something special to then get the referral to Pierre's program. Um, you know, at at such a young age to have that uh, access to such an amazing coaching philosophy and personality and all of that was tremendously fortuitous. That doesn't happen for most families. And before we went on the air, Eloise, you and I were talking about how much time and money gets wasted in tennis, especially at the junior level. Can you talk about um, maybe some of Todd's peers or your peers as tennis parents whose children were in other programs where they weren't receiving the quality of coaching that you saw at Pierre's Academy? Well, I could recall a time when um, Todd went a different academy just to have some matches, and I would see one of the very famous tennis pros who, you know, there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of um, advertising, uh, just just a lot of fluff, a lot of smoke and mirrors. And I saw the lessons that were given, and I thought to myself, 
wow, what Pierre was a gem. This was a diamond in the rough. I mean, I saw the famous tennis coaches just taking kids on the court, hitting a few balls, talking, doing a whole lot of talking, not much activity going on in the court, and just, to me, a waste of time. If, if your kid does not come off the court feeling that they have had um, a physically exhausting experience, one on one with the, with the person training them, then something is wrong. I mean, you should feel like you've had a heck of a workout on the court. And if your child is not getting that, you should be asking why not, uh, because your money is going to waste. And besides, as I said to you before, Lisa, the money is one thing, but money you could always get back time you can't and once those years go slip by you can't recover them Uh, if you're going to wait till your your son or daughter is um 15 16 years old and you think you're going to be able to turn around what should have been accomplished from the ages of 8 to 15 you're mistaken it's never going to happen the time is what's so crucial and if you lose that time, you will not regain it. I don't care how hard you work. It could be 12 hours a day. It's just not going to happen. Right. And, and you know, we see this over and over and over again. Um, and, and it's just, it's so sad because you're right. I mean, that junior development window it seems long when you're in it, but once your child hits uh, the month before their or the month of their 19th birthday and you realize that's it for junior tennis, you look back and it's like, oh, my gosh, that was just, you know, a flash. And uh, you can't afford to waste time on, on poor coaching and, and all of that. So, uh, I again, I, I feel like you guys were so lucky and and what a blessing that Todd was exposed so young to top-notch coaching. Um, So now that you've watched Todd's career, I mean, he he had these phenomenal experiences as a young kid and then, you know, in college and then professional, and now he is a coach and he's working with other children. What's your role now, Mom? Well, my role is to keep my mouth closed and to watch. (laughs) Sometimes I make a little suggestion here or there, um, and, and sometimes it's accepted and sometimes it's not. But I really do love watching the development of the kids that he's working with. Um, they're really focused and they're, uh, hardworking and I see the training that Todd gives them and, uh, it's, it's quite a training experience there the kids are not because he's my son but the kids are very lucky that they found him because he doesn't let anything slip by and they are becoming well-rounded uh players that will either go pro or they will be in very good college programs because not only does todd work with them on the court but he guides them if their if their uh, focus is toward college, he guides them to the correct program, and and he knows the college coaches, so you know he he winds up um, placing them in situations that are uh, very good for their type of tennis. So mm-hmm. you know it's not just it's not just on court. Right. Todd, can you talk a little bit about how much Pierre's coaching and and your years training with him have influenced the way you run your academy and the way you interact with your players and the parents of your players? Yeah, I mean, you know, I try try to the best that I've that I've learned from whether it's Pierre whether it was guys I competed with in juniors or on the ATP tour, 
and I try to take all these experiences and then I try to apply them to the children that I work with on a daily basis. Um, there's many things that I learned going through the process, you know, maybe it could be technically, tactically, you know, mentally, you know, many different aspects of tennis. And I try to take so many of the things that he taught me um, growing up and then I try to apply it. You know, there are things that I've learned on my own going through the process of coaching these last six or seven years in the, in the small system that I run. And, um, you know, and then, and then I, I try to apply them to each and every situation um, that I can. Um, the, the players that I train, like, like I've said before, this, this is not a tennis academy. So each child that, that comes to me, you know, it's a different, different scenario. They, they all need different things. And one can be totally different than the other. So, you know, I'm constantly adapting. I need to know what's going on in their previous situation of coaching and training. I need to know kind of what, what, how, how the parenting is for the child. And then I, and then I go about training them in a disciplined manner and making sure that they're achieving their goals and my goals for them. And then we keep going, uh, you know, step by step. That's great. I I don't know if you guys um, followed the Davis Cup action over the weekend, but uh, Canada and Great Britain played, and their match came down to the last singles match on Sunday. And playing for Canada was a 17-year-old kid. <laughs> he is a professional player, but he's 17 and he's a kid. And he had an outburst on the court, hit a ball in anger that wound up hitting an official in the eye and was the match was called immediately. He was defaulted and Great Britain moves on and Davis Cup and Canada is out. So the reason I'm bringing this up is I posted the story and, and the, the young man has publicly and privately apologized. He's been fined. Um, but it's garnered a lot of conversation about expectations of behavior in tennis. And so this is my long way of, of asking the two of you. First, uh, Eloise, did Todd ever have any instances that you can recall where he was unable to control his emotions and either you stepped in or you nudged his coach to step in and handle that. And Todd, I'd love to hear, you know, any memories you might have in that regard. And then how yeah. do you use that as a coach now? Uh, Lisa, yeah. that is such a good question. Let me just say, Todd is a redhead. So need I say any more? So, <laughs> speaking, about, <laughs> so speaking about having outbursts on the court, those were nipped in the bud at a very, very young age. He once took his racket, slammed it against the net, cracked the racket, and his coach threw him off the court and said, don't come back for two weeks until you can decide to behave yourself. Do not come back here. And that was like thing in the world you could have done for Todd. I mean, he ate, slept, and breathed tennis. He would walk around the house swinging a racket, well, an imaginary racket in his hand as if he were playing. I mean, this was a perfect uh, situation that um, made him learn to control himself. And, Do you remember uh, how old I, he was? I would say he was about eight that's it. I mean, he was young and he was, you know, upset and just slammed the racket. And that's when he was told, don't come back. And then, you know, there was, there were other times he would he was also told not to come back, but it wasn't because he got angry and, and broke anything. It was more, more due to, um, he thought that he was, better than the the other kid that he was told to go play on on another court and and his coach said to him you think you're better 
You're not any better. When I tell you to play somebody, you're going to go play that person, and I'm not going to hear anything about it. Um, since when do you think you're so terrific? So he was, <laughs> he was yeah, he, he was definitely um, reprimanded many, you know, a few times, let's say, so that uh, he learned to respect the game, respect the coaches, and and you know go on from there without without um uh being uh difficult on the court that's great you know it's interesting that you bring that up about not wanting to you know thinking you're too good to practice with somebody because that's an issue that comes up a lot too and typically it's the parents that make the stink over it not the kids and So I'm just curious how you, Eloise, kept yourself out of the fray with with those kinds of issues. Did you you attend his practices or did you just drop him off and pick him up? Oh, no, Lisa. When he was young, I was there every day. When he had lessons, I had the ball hopper and I was picking up balls. So I was there. And my feeling about this whole tennis situation is that if you're hiring somebody to do a job, you should let them do it. If, if you're, um, if you're so knowledgeable and you think you can do it better, then why are you bringing your child to someone else to teach them? If you're that good, why aren't you doing it? Um, so I, I just, in any situation where you go to a professional, you let the professional do their job. And, you know, I, I would sometimes ask Pierre questions, but I never, um, you know, said, you know, he ought to be doing this. Maybe he should do that. Uh, No, um, that's the professional's job. And if you have confidence in the person that you've hired, then that's all that's needed. Did you always have that confidence in Pierre because of the referral that happened at the get-go? And the reason I'm asking that is I think that, you know, you bring up some very good points that if you're hiring a professional, you need to trust them to do their job. But not everybody who bills themselves as a tennis teaching professional has the credentials or the knowledge or the experience to do the job well. So, you know, again, I feel like you guys, you know, it was the perfect storm for y'all in terms of finding this phenomenal coaching situation from the get-go. But were there ever times where you doubted that this was the right situation for Todd or was there ever anything that happened that made you think, hmm, maybe I need to step in as his parent? Well, to be quite frank, I mean, as I said before, I was always there. So I saw the kind of lessons he was getting. I saw um, the the hitting experiences he had with other kids. And I, you know, I felt that he was getting the best because even when he was seven or eight years old, there were high school kids that were playing there, you know, that were training in the same place. And you could see the development of those kids. You know, uh, in fact, I remember thinking to myself when Todd was like seven, eight years old, how in the world is he ever going to hit the ball that hard or that accurately? I mean, this is like an impossible situation, but, you know, I went along with it and, and it worked. Uh, and I, as I said, you know, I, I did monitor it. I, I was there. And if I, if I didn't think that he was getting the right kind of training, I guess I would have questioned it. But I knew that there, that there were college players that, that used to come back for, for tune-ups with Pierre. I knew that there were touring pros that used to come. Um, So I knew, you just knew by what was coming and going in that facility. And also when, when Todd was very little, you know, he had to, as I said, his, his coach put him on a court with a top 10 world player to, to see what it was like, you know, and of course the player 
played down to, you know, for an eight-year-old, but but it was right. just an extraordinary experience. And and you sure. knew that, that there was great because these these guys kept coming back for his for his guidance and his uh, his expertise. You know, it was just was a, there ever a, a time. Sorry, was there ever a time where you were tempted to take him to a different coach? No, no. I mean, I would see other kids, you know, in tournaments, and and um, you know, I knew other coaches that that sometimes came to uh, the tournaments, but um, no, there, I, no, <laughs> I could honestly say no. I, I thought that um, Pierre cared about him. Um, and he was in it for Todd's best interest for and really for nothing else. Um, it was not a situation where, um, you know, he's collecting checks and, you know, not, not getting the proper training. I mean, everybody should get paid for their work. Just do your work well, you know, and, and don't just take people's sure. money. Sure, sure. Todd, do you have memories of uh, of the infamous racket smash on the net? Oh yeah, I remember everything, <laughs> Lisa. No, but but <laughs> that's because you're young. I mean, yeah, I mean, let me let me put it to you this way, and and I and I the kids that I train, I tell them a little bit of my tennis upbringing, and Pierre helps me with the with the children I train, and he does the traveling. So maybe some of the parents I've seen him at some of the tournaments outside of, uh, outside of South Florida with, uh, with some of the players. But, um, I remember that, you know, obviously these, the Pierre was phenomenal and you were brought up on respect. And so whatever he said you did, and if you didn't do what he told you to do, you were going to be a little bit punished. Now that could have been running or if you did something really bad, like smash your racket as a little tiny tot, he would throw you out. And I remember having to get on the phone at night and really begging, begging him to, you know, to, to bring me back in and say, I'm sorry, I will not have it happen again. I'm not going to do that again. And, you know, he, he would tell you to leave. And quite honestly, I don't think he was concerned that you were going to come back. If you didn't come back, then he was fine with it. It, it was really his way. And he was going to put all the time and effort into the, into the children that he wanted to train. And if you didn't do it his way, then they're not interested because these were professionals that were producing high, high level tennis players and they knew how to do it and they did it their way. And they've been, and as, as, as to, to now in 2017, he's been doing it for 25 or 30 years. I mean, he took me from a beginner at six years old to the very highest level on the ATP tour. And how many coaches have really done that? I mean, you see a lot of coaches that are, you know, that have little little spurts of training these players and everyone's so excited. Oh my gosh, he trained this one for six months or a year. But they're not they're not really involved in the development of that player. The other coaches have done that development. That person may be taking that credit, but they have not put in all those tough hours into those players. They've only been a very, very small part of that development. It's the others, you know, the, the Pierre's of the world that have put in so much time and effort into these players on a daily basis. Those are the ones that are really developing tennis players. Right. So let me just ask you, because this whole issue of controlling emotion, getting, getting back to the Davis Cup match and this poor 17-year-old, and I know there are a lot of people listening that have no sympathy for him and say he should have done better, but holy cow, his whole country is watching him and, and their advancement in Davis Cup is on his shoulders. So I have sympathy for the kid. Um, I have a temper and I get it. So he didn't mean to hurt the official. He just didn't have control of his emotions. What did you do, Todd, at age eight to help you gain control of your emotions and how involved was Pierre in that part of the process and how involved was your mom, Eloise? Well, it's, it's very simple. If, if, if you didn't have the proper attitude, 
they took the rackets away. And Rafael Nadal, I think Uncle Tony did the same thing. I mean, it's, it's not it's, it's not a complicated situation. If a child can control themselves, you take the rackets away, period. Now, the coach might not be too thrilled because they're losing a paycheck for a couple of weeks, but the coaches that really care, they know that this is good for their long-term development. In terms of that Davis Cup match, and obviously I've seen it on the internet, I, I didn't see the match you know, in, in full, but I did see what, what he did and, and the referee. I mean, to me, it's a little bit of a lack of respect for the situation. You, you have a 17-year-old who's playing Davis Cup, who is not even close to being established like the person across the net, the, the, the British guy that he was playing. And I'm not sure how you can really even get upset in that, in that situation because, first of all, all the other players that are playing Davis Cup for these countries are very well established. This, this young man, who's a phenomenal player, he's really just getting his feet wet in, the, in all these situations. So I would think that he'd be so happy to be in this situation playing Davis Cup for his country, be so happy. And I think the attitude w- was, was just wrong. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand that type of attitude. Every time I had an unbelievable opportunity to be playing with the best tennis players in the world or on a huge stage in an ATP tournament, I was like kissing the floor saying, you know, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. And, uh, you know, I want to be back over and over again if I can. So in that situation, do you feel as though um, he did not receive the proper coaching? Um, Do you feel as though maybe it was a, a parenting snafu or do you place 100% of the responsibility on his shoulders or a combination? I, 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 place, I place it really on his shoulders. Um, it could be maybe coaching to, 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 to let him know kind of the situation that he's in. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously it's not easy, the situation he was in. He felt like he was probably letting his country down because he was, he was down two sets and a break. So basically he was going to get closed out. Uh, most likely, and and uh, and his country was going to lose the tie. But you know, I mean, everyone everyone has blow-ups. Even even Roger Federer. I mean, you've seen videos of him throwing his racket, and he does it, you know, you know, once in a blue moon. But he does do it every once in a while. So you know, but you know, he's gonna. This young man is gonna learn a very very tough lesson. And uh, and unfortunately, you know, it it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So now that you're in the situation of coaching young players, um, from what I'm hearing you say, obviously you you take action quickly and early with them when you see behavior issues. As a coach, and, and Eloise, I'll be interested to hear your perspective on this too, what is your responsibility in terms of ensuring, A, that the kids have the proper risk for, not just for the game, but for every opponent, and B, for helping them learn how to manage those emotions in an acceptable manner. Well, I think that um, they need to have respect for the game they need to have respect for their opponent and they need to have respect for themselves and their coach. Uh, without that combination, something is going to break down. Uh, I don't think um, uh, these players uh, should be allowed to uh, just explode. And um, I believe that could be a parenting issue. I, I, it could also be a coaching situation, and it just needs to kind of be nipped in the bud. It can't continue because the only the only pro I know that had those kind of explosions that was successful was John McEnroe, and that's the only one. So it it is important for the player to be able to control themselves in all situations um, and, and 
tennis is a learning experience. It's not just a tennis learning experience. It's learning about life. It's learning about how to handle yourself. It's learning how to get along with people and your opponents and to have respect for, you know, everyone who's involved. Uh, and, you know, when you, when you just fly off the handle, there's something that's just not right. Something doesn't fit. As so far when, as the, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, as far as the Canadian 17-year-old, he just probably had a tremendous amount of pressure on him, or at least he felt he did. And at 17, who could handle the whole country, you know, looking for you to be the savior, to be the winner? I mean, that's a lot of pressure for a young person. Right. I agree. So do you remember when, you know, the story you told about Todd getting sent home um, for smashing his racket, what was the follow-up from you at home? Um, you know, did did you just let the coach handle the tennis or was there a price that had to be paid on the home front too? <laughs> it's funny that you should ask that. What happened was, I mean, he was he was devastated. I was like aghast. I just, oh my God, what are we going to do now? He's not going to be able to play tennis for the next two weeks. You know, and, and I was thinking, okay, what am I going to do? Now, as the tennis parent that I was, I always had a, a hopper with a, with, in my trunk. So I went over to a local uh, park that had tennis courts, and I started feeding him balls. And then we were at one end of the uh, lineup of courts, and then there were two men who were playing at the other end of the courts, and, and the courts in the middle were empty. So the two men that were playing, they suddenly see me, you know, feeding balls to him, and he's hitting, and they're watching. And, you know, when they, they were finished and we were finished, they came over to us and, and said, like, wow, you know, how old is he? And I think at the time he was like seven, seven or eight and um, to make a long story short, he became very good friends with one of the players. Uh, it was a man who was in his, I guess, 30s. And he used to hit with him, especially uh, when Todd would have a match against a left-handed uh, player in a tournament. This, this man was a lefty, so it was perfect. Um, so he would warm up with him. But they became very good friends. And um, he used to play with him, you know, from time to time. And uh, it became a nice relationship. But, but uh, for two weeks, I was taking him out on the courts and he was, you know, hitting balls. Um, of course, I certainly couldn't replicate what Pierre could do. But I did the best I could so that he totally wasn't, you know, without any tennis. Um, but right. he learned. What I could do was certainly not what Pierre did, and uh, he learned real quick to uh, behave himself. Todd, you have memories of that? Yeah, I do. It was awful. My mom had to teach me some tennis. It was really bad. (laughs) That racket was glued glued to my hand, and my mom was a terrible ball feeder, and I wasn't going to ever throw that racket again. (laughs) That's awesome. So, I mean, you're very lucky that it only took that one occurrence to cure you. Um, Speaking as the parent of a child who um, I'm not sure still has learned (laughs) that that emotional control on the court, um, I I mean, I think you're an anomaly. I don't think most kids get the message that quickly. Uh, Now that you're coaching and I've, got to guess that you've had at least one kid have an outburst on court that was unacceptable. Um, what's, you know, what's your tactic with them? Do you do the same thing? You just boot them out and hope that they learn their lesson or does it go further than that? Yeah, for, for me, it goes, it goes a lot further. So I've had, I've definitely have 
I've had players that have had outbursts. I try to look at really the reason of why they're having an outburst. Maybe there's something wrong at school. Maybe they're tired and cranky. They didn't sleep well. Maybe they uh, had a tough result in a tournament, and so their confidence is a little lower. Um, There's many different reasons um, why maybe a child will have an outburst. Maybe the child can't can't, um, handle maybe the stress of a tournament, and so they start, you know, you know, kind of losing control. So I try to look at a case-by-case basis. Now, if, if I'll definitely warn them, and then if they continue to do it, they're going to pay the price, and I tell them why they're going to pay the price. And I tell them, listen, for a life skill, if you lose your composure and, and you're working or whatever, you know what happens? And, and, and they say, yeah, I know what happens. You're going to get fired. Because, you know, there's definitely some of the children that I train, some of their parents – own and operate big companies. And I tell them, I say, well, what would your father do or what would your mother do if one of the employees lost control? What would they do? And they say, and they, they say, yeah, they're going to get fired. I say, good. Now, now you're going to go do some sprints or whatever. And then you're coming back to practice. So they, they start to understand real quick. Right. So, I mean, but what if, um, have you ever had an older player that, you know, still hasn't learned the lesson, let's say, you know, 16, 15, 16. At, at that point, what are you doing as a coach and, and what are you asking the parent to do? I mean, the, the parent knows. I mean, they know already. It's been happening for a long time. If a child is 15, 16 years old and they're having attitude issues on the court, it didn't get n- nipped in the bud. And that's a big problem because the more and more they do it, the, the, the tougher the habit is to break. It should have happened a long time ago when the child was young and they started to have an outburst. Um, but I've had some parents come to me and, and say, listen, can you please take care of this? I say, no problem. So I always look at, I, I also look at it as if the child was in college and if, and if they blew up at practice, what would that college coach do to them when there's no parents around to, to, you know, help out the child and say everything's all right and blah, blah, blah. So in college, um, the coaches and if the, you know, if the player is at a serious program, that child is going to be doing running. They're going to be doing all this type of tough stuff. And if you make it tough enough, trust me, it's not going to happen. And if it continues to happen, then you just keep it upping the intensity. And then if it, and if it keeps, keeps happening, then you have a really, you have a bad apple in your program and they need to go. And that, and that's, what's going to happen. If you're in college and you're having these issues, you know, the coach is going to take you out for 5am or 6am running and they're going to make your life kind of a nightmare for maybe a week or two weeks. And then if it continues to happen, they're going to throw you out. Mm-hmm. Well, and not only do they punish the individual kid, they, they oftentimes punish the whole team <laughs> and make sure that the team knows they're being punished because of one person's behavior. So that sometimes is effective too. <laughs> but you know what, Lisa, let me just interject one thing, uh, not taking it to where the, the player is at the college level, but when they're younger, you have to really ask, does this, does this kid really want to play tennis or is it mommy wants you to play tennis or daddy wants mm-hmm. you to play tennis? And, you know, are, they, are the parents getting their self-esteem from their child being a star tennis player? And, and you know, I've seen situations where the parents are pushing the, the kids to play tennis, and the kid might be a really good tennis player, but, but doesn't really want to do it at this level of intensity. Um, and, and the pushing of the parents continues. So that can cause a lot of emotional turmoil and outbursts as well. You know, you really have to decide, does this child want to be playing at this level? Sure. Sure. And Todd, have you had that situation where you've had to step in? Um. Are we talking at, at, at like at a, at a high level, as in like I need to you know reprimand the child? No, no, no. Have you had a situation where 
Um, it's as your mom just described where the kid is acting out and it turns out it's the parent's dream, not the kid's dream. And, you know, I mean, are your hands tied as the coach when you recognize that or have you been in that situation? Yeah, I I have been in that situation a couple of times where the child, the child doesn't want to be really training at, at the level that, that I kind of provide and, and train the players at. So they're going to quickly, they're going to quickly know that. Um, the, the parent is going to see that as well. And then they're going to say, why isn't my child training hard and blah, 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 blah. And they just don't want to do it. I don't care. I don't care if it's Roger Federer on the court. I don't care if it's Djokovic on the court training your child. They either want to do this or they don't. And I tell them, I, I tell them quite frankly, this, the, the, the system that I run it's, it's not a babysitting service. This is not drop your kid off and, and have them hit some balls and, and it's daycare. There's plenty of that. That's not what I do. I'm, I'm out there many hours a day training the players so that they can achieve their goals and dreams. Now, if their goals and dreams aren't to be the best they can be, then they don't need me on the court. They don't need to be with me. There's plenty of places that they can just run around and hit a bunch of tennis balls and laugh and giggle. But that's not what I provide. Well, I think that's it's really interesting um, from the parent side to hear a coach say that. And, I, you know, I urge the parents that are tuning into this to really hear what Todd is saying, because if you're going to make the time and financial investment in a coach such as Todd, you need to make sure, parent, that this is truly what your child wants to be doing. And sometimes if they are acting out on the court, their behavior isn't what you expect to see. It may be because they don't want to be out there and you may need to step back and reassess where you've got them training. Maybe they do need to be at a, you know, a uh, I won't say recreational because people hear that word recreational and they they think, you know, I hate to say this because I play it, but they think women's league tennis, um, though I will say my team plays at a very high level and a very high intensity. But, um, of course but there are <laughs> there are programs out there. For, for kids that just want to learn how to play the game, that, you know, may want to play a tennis tournament here or there, may want to play on their school team, but aren't aspiring, as you say, Todd, to reach their highest potential as a player. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, listen, I mean, the, 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 the select kids that I train, you know, they, they are aspiring to be the best they can be. And I'm thinking of many different things about how to help this child and, and the parents to, to guide them and help them be the best they can be so that their experience is a really positive one and they end up either at a phenomenal school or at the professional level. I mean, that, that's, that's the service that I provide. Um, it, can be, it can be tough. It can be stressful. Uh, I need to look at many different different avenues and ways to help each child. I need to look at their background. I need to look at their parenting situation, um, anything from nutrition to fitness to, you know, schoolwork, anything that could possibly be off or get in the way or something. You know, there's so many different things that I'm looking at on a, on a daily basis, you know, so that the kid can really, can really thrive and, and, and they, and they end up having a phenomenal tennis career, you know, wherever it takes them. So, you know, but is there anything wrong with a child that just wants to go out and be with a bunch of kids on a tennis court and hit balls? No, that's great. I mean, I think that that's, that's great. There's a lot less stress involved in that, whether it's from the coach, from the parents, or even for the children. That That's fantastic if they want to, you know, play on their school team, or maybe one day they, one day they could maybe play college tennis, but that's not really the ultimate goal. That's phenomenal. I mean, you know, just anyone coming out after school to play tennis and get a great workout and, and have fun with their friends, I think that's phenomenal. It's just it's just not something that I provide, but I think that's great. Right. I mean, the more people that are tennis, the better it is. Absolutely. So we're down to our last few minutes. And, Eloise, I just want to um, – I have another question for you, and that is what kind of – 
resources did you have as a tennis parent to help Todd through the process? Or did you rely 100% on his coach to manage tournament scheduling, fitness training, nutrition, all of the different aspects of being a competitive player? Well, I have to say that I I really did rely on Pierre for everything because I knew knew that he knew it. Uh, He came from a family that that played professional tennis. Um, His father played uh, Wimbledon. Um, I, I knew that I had... Uh, Todd in very experienced hands. And when Pierre said he was going to play this tournament, he played that tournament. And he, you know, would, would tell me, you know, just sign him up and, and this is where you're going and that's what he's doing. And I, and I complied. Uh, I felt, you know, he's doing his job and now it's up to me to do mine. Uh, so it, it was, there was never a question in my mind that he was not guiding Todd in the right direction. Um, and I feel, I feel sorry for the parents that don't have that situation because this could be a daunting experience if you don't, if, if you're not with the right people. Um, but, but well, that's why parenting aces exist, frankly. I mean, and, that's why it's it's here because I was one of those parents and very frustrated and and felt very overwhelmed. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's no, a I real situation. This, this is basically a public service <laughs> to any any parent whose uh, child is involved in tennis. Um, right, you know, you really have to you have to be there to oversee things. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to be um, criticizing at every turn, uh, but you need to be aware and observe and and ask questions. I mean, if the coach that you've chosen is not willing to speak with you and um, explain things to you, since you're not the pro, you're a novice, um, then something's wrong. You really need to have right. an open communication with the coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I It's been so fun to, to get to chat with you, Eloise. I feel like I've, I'm getting to know Todd better. We haven't met in person yet, but um, this is our fourth uh, radio show together. So I'm learning more and more about him and his upbringing. And uh, after chatting with you for the last hour, I, I realized, you know, even more what a special guy he is. So thank you both for being with us and sharing your experience and, and your wisdom. Thank you, Lisa. I really appreciate it as well. All right. Thank you, Lisa. Well, we'll look forward to next month's chat, Todd. We'll have to come up with some great uh, speaking points for our next one. Yep, no problem. I got plenty for you. <laughs> You're going to be hard-pressed to top Eloise, though. I, I hate to tell you. Thanks, Lisa. At least I have someone in my corner. <laughs> <laughs> we tennis parents Good. have to stick together. <laughs> I, I, I agree. All right. Thanks again, you guys. To my listeners, thanks so much for tuning in to TennisBalls.com. Thank you for sponsoring the Parenting Aces radio show. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time on Parenting Aces. If you own a small business, it's not a question of if some hacker is going to attempt to attack your company. It's a question of when. Let CyberPolicy.com keep you safe. CyberPolicy is the first end-to-end solution that combines cyber planning, security, and insurance. With CyberPolicy, your business will be protected against cyber attacks for as little as 40 cents a day. Visit CyberPolicy.com today and get a quote in just four minutes. CyberPolicy.com.